So we welcome you to this training of the Healthy Discipleship Community. And if you're new with us tonight, I see at least one new name on the list here tonight. We do these on Thursday nights, and uh, we welcome you to the training tonight. And so the way our format goes here, we, we begin by discussing our topic of the evening. And I'll share a few things, and then we'll, we'll segue into some group discussion of that. Let me bring our slides up here for, for everybody to see. Uh, tonight, we're talking about this idea of cultivating a spirit of unity while living in a polarizing era. And uh, it's, it's kind of interesting to think about this because you wouldn't automatically assume that, that the things that are taking place right now would be necessarily polarizing, but it seems like whatever the issue of the day is, so it almost doesn't even matter what the issue of the day is, whatever comes up, it seems like it becomes quickly polarizing no matter what. And, uh, and so one of the things that, that we see in Scripture, and I'm going to take us to Scripture in just a few moments, but one of the things that, that we see in Scripture is that the Lord values unity. Among His people, He wants to see unity. He wants us to express unity. He wants us to live in unity. He wants to see us practice it and foster it and encourage others to value it. And so, you know, we're, we're, we kind of wrestle with this. How can we cultivate a spirit of unity while we're living in such a polarizing era? A um, couple thoughts here. First off, under the best circumstances, unity can be challenging to maintain. Families, nations, local churches all struggle to facilitate it. And I, I point out all three of those areas because I think that we could all probably identify with the fact that there are times that within our own family, so this could be within our own households or it could even be within our extended family. Uh, sometimes we struggle to maintain unity. I think within nations, we see this as well. You see this with uh, political divides. You see this with opinions on all sorts of things. Right now, you see this even just with medical opinions, uh, uh, you know, kind of taking a political tone. Uh, it can be challenging to maintain unity. But even, you know, even in the best of circumstances, that could be the case. I think even within local churches, that can be challenging to maintain unity because we all have thoughts, we all have opinions, and we'll talk about this uh, in addition in just a uh, just a moment. But these are things that uh, these are areas anyway, you know, within our families, within our nations, within our our local churches. These are areas where unity can be a very challenging thing at times to facilitate, and. Um, when you look at what Scripture tells us, it reveals to us that Christ's calling on our lives is that we would live in unity, and He desires to see true biblical unity abounding among believers. This is the type of thing He wants to see facilitated between us. So even even us, you know, those of us here on this call, He wants us uh, to experience genuine biblical unity uh, within our local churches, within our families, within our communities, within our nations. Believers in particular are called to live in unity, and, and part of the, like, part of what the Lord encourages us to uh, practice unity toward or for is with the idea of it being a, a powerful testimony to this world. The unity that believers express, it, it testifies to the fact that we are people who live convinced of the love of the Lord, but also 
acting on that love, and we're showing each other deference, and we're showing each other love as the Lord has shown us love. And so our unity is a powerful testimony to the transformative work that the Lord is accomplishing in our lives as he brings people with various backgrounds and various lives and various uh, sets of experiences and various challenges. brings us under one umbrella. We're part of the family of God. We're part of the body of Christ. And as people who are part of the body of Christ, our unity, it serves as a powerful testimony to this world. So a couple questions here before we even look at the scripture we're going to look at tonight. And tonight, by the way, we're just looking at one primary scripture, but I'll, I'll save it for just a moment. A couple questions I want to ask before we look at that scripture. The first question is this, just mull it over in your head for a moment. What should we do if we're struggling to experience unity with others. And by the way, just from my own personal experience, I'll, I'll testify to the fact that there are plenty of times in my life where I have struggled to experience unity with others. There are people in my life that I find it very easy to get along with and people in my life that I find it very challenging to get along with. And I'm, I'm speaking specifically of other believers. And so what should we do if we're struggling to experience unity with others? So I want you to be thinking about that in the back of your mind. And uh, a follow-up question to that that I want you to be mulling over is this. What should be at the foundation or at the heart of our unity? You know, what should be at the foundation? What should be at the heart of this unity that the Lord encourages us to live in and practice and display to one another? So be thinking about those things. You know, what to do if you're experiencing a, a real struggle when trying to facilitate unity with somebody, and what should be at the foundation of the unity that we express or experience. Now, the scripture that I wanted to share with us this evening is just a brief portion of scripture, but I want us to look at it and to, to give some genuine thought to this. It's from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10, it says this, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. So I just read that entire scripture for us. It's just one verse. It's not a very long verse, but there's some interesting facets here that would be worth highlighting before we progress any further. So you have the Apostle Paul in this context, he's speaking to the church at Corinth. If you know anything about the, the background of the Corinthians, that was a church that was dealing with a lot of division. Uh, my understanding is that in the context of that church, you have people not only from different backgrounds in, in, in some respects, but there are people from different socioeconomic classes that are now part of this church, and you have some believers mainly just associating with those of their wealth status, and, and then others kind of avoiding uh, those that they would maybe even consider not part of uh, their same social circle. And so you have the Apostle Paul who wants this church to be united. He wants this church to grow in love. He wants this church to become mature. But he sees a lot of conflict. He sees a lot of immaturity in that church. And so he makes an appeal to them. And he does this. Notice that this is in chapter 1 of the book of 1 Corinthians. So this is very early. That's, you know, First and Second Corinthians, those are some of his longer letters. And uh, he's got a lot of additional things that he's going to say in this letter. But right off the bat, very early in chapter one, you have Paul saying, all right, 
right away, I'm appealing to you. I'm appealing to you, brothers. So he's saying, you know, these are other believers. These are people in the faith. And he's saying, I'm appealing to you by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so he's pointing to the authority of Christ as he's making this appeal. He's not, he's not making this appeal out of his own preferences. He's not making this appeal out of his own, um, you know, opinions. He's saying, I'm appealing to you by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So with the power, with the authority that Christ had granted him as an apostle, and his appeal to them was this. He says that all of you agree. So he wants there to be agreement. Now think of your own household just for a second. Is there pure agreement on every issue, just even in your home? Um, I... I, (laughs) Uh, a while ago, um, not not even that long ago, I think it was just a week or two ago, uh, my wife commented after dinner one night how amazed she was that all of us, so my wife and I, plus our four children, that everybody agreed that they liked that night's meal. She said one of her, her most challenging aspects of being a mother has been providing meals for our family, cooking meals for our family, and then having all of us agree that we like it <laughs> because there's various taste buds and various age groups represented at that dinner table and different seasons of life tend to like different foods and different personalities seem to like different foods. And so even just in our own households, it can be challenging for us all to agree. But here you have the Apostle Paul saying to the church at Corinth, he's saying, you know, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, my appeal to you is that you all agree, that all of you agree. And he goes on to clarify that a little bit further, and he says, and that there be no divisions among you. So again, at this point, and you even see this, by the way, when you get into like chapter 11, chapter 12, that section of Scripture, where Paul is talking about some of the divisions that had started to spring up in the church at Corinth, because you had some people um, basically treating the meal that they would have along with their times of, of taking communion together as almost a, a, like, a, like a divisive time where they would only aff- affiliate or associate with certain people, but they would avoid other people at these meals. And it was creating division and it was creating conflict in the church. Uh, we also see when we get into 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where Paul's talking about the fact that the Lord has given us spiritual gifts And as we have these spiritual gifts, we're supposed to realize that we don't have all of them. You know, I have some, you have some, and that's why we need each other to build each other up in the faith. And uh, and so Paul encourages the church to not get to this spot where anyone says to somebody else, I don't need you, or I don't need you, or, or whatever it may be. So here he's kind of setting that foundation here, and he's saying that there be no divisions among you. I don't want the church to be divided. If you're divided, it's going to hurt the testimony of the church, and it's going to inhibit the growth of the church, and it certainly isn't going to testify to the heart of Christ. And so he, he wants them to be united, not divided. He, he again, clarifies this even further uh, in his next statement. He says, but that you be united in two things here. He says that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment that you be united in the same mind and in the same judgment. Now, again, that can be challenging for believers of any era, but in this era of the early church, I imagine that this would be particularly challenging. But think about that statement where Paul is saying that we be he's challenging the church at Corinth to be united in the same mind and in the same judgment. And one of the things we know 
that takes place as we come to know Jesus Christ is that our thinking is changed. Our thinking changes. He changes how we perceive things. We know through the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, we our, our, our mind is transformed. We see things in a brand new way. We perceive things differently. And as we grow in Christ and as we mature in Christ, we start to understand the mind and the heart of God more clearly. And so you have Paul challenging the church at Corinth to be united in the same mind and in the same judgment, that they would look at things and they would assess things correctly. Because one of the things that was a struggle for the church at Corinth was to embrace godliness. And so you have some people in the church that were still embracing worldly patterns, worldly mindsets, worldly practices. There are some people that were involved in different forms of immorality. And, uh, and Paul is saying, look, you've, you've got to have the same mind. You've got to have the same judgment. You've got to be united as a church, as, as one body united to Christ. We need to be united with one another. And he talks about the evidence of this or, or uh, a determining factor of this, that, that they be people who have the same mind, they have the same judgment. These are things that he sets up in a foundational way early in the book of 1 Corinthians as he's talking to the Corinthian church, a church that was known for being uh, rather divided at times and lacking in unity. Now, let me uh, segue here into, into some follow-up on that particular verse and our modern-day application of it, and I'll just make a statement for starters. Unity is not an easy thing to cultivate. You know, we can talk about unity all we want, but we recognize that it's not easy to cultivate. It's not easy to cultivate nationally. It's not easy to cultivate even in local churches. We all have opinions, and note this, one step beyond those opinions are our convictions. So there are certain things that I can express to you as an opinion. So my opinion is that that spring is a wonderful time of year. That's an opinion. You know, it's, it's like my, one of my favorite times of the year. I enjoy it. I, I think it's wonderful. But I guess if I had severe seasonal allergies, I noticed today that my driveway was covered in pollen. Well, if I had severe seasonal allergies, I imagine that I would have a different opinion. And one step beyond those opinions are our convictions. So there are certain things that creep into your life and my life that we really don't even treat them like opinions at this point. They become core convictions. So because we have these opinions, we have these convictions, what are we supposed to do when these opinions or convictions start to conflict with those of another brother or sister in Christ? Is there a way we can handle that? Is there a biblical pattern that we should notice when we're experiencing conflict, or maybe even some of those things are starting to produce a level of division. Well, the first thing we can do is this. There are three things I'm going to suggest to us tonight, and I think that they go maybe from most obvious to least obvious, but the first thing we can do is pray. Uh, When you're experiencing conflict, when you're experiencing division with brothers and sisters in Christ, when your convictions or your opinions don't quite line up with theirs, when it doesn't seem like you're of the same mind or of the same judgment, the first thing we can do is pray. Now, when you look at what Scripture teaches us about prayer, and I'm summarizing here, but when you look in Scripture, Scripture makes it abundantly clear that the Lord invites us to come before Him in prayer continually that the pattern of your life and my life is to be that we are people who come before the Lord in prayer continually. 
And there are a variety of things that we could be praying for, but we can certainly pray for his intervention. Uh, there are frequent moments in my life where I've asked the Lord intervene in all sorts of things, but uh, particularly if I've been having uh, conflicts or even minor disagreements with another brother or sister in Christ, uh, I'm grateful that I can come before the Lord and ask for his intervention and also ask for clarity, that he bring clarity to my mind, that he bring clarity to the other person's mind, that he helps us to start seeing things from his perspective. And I believe that the Lord delights to answer our prayers for, for these things, that we ask the Lord you know, to, to intervene, that we ask him to give us clarity. I think that that's something he delights to answer. I think it's also important when we're, when we're pausing to pray is that we ask the Lord to soften our own hearts so we remain teachable. And I mention that because I know for me, and probably for you as well, it's much easier for me or for you to point out the faults of others before we start to look at what's going on in our own mind and in our own heart. And I think that it's, it's easier at times for me to pray, Lord, change that other person. But I, I think sometimes it's maybe even more fruitful for me to begin by praying, Lord, change me, soften my heart so that I remain teachable. I want to be teachable. I want to hear the voice of God. I don't want to go through life ignoring his voice. And I think sometimes my opinions or even my convictions can get in the way of actually hearing the voice of God if my heart starts to harden. So we got to pray that the Lord would soften our hearts so that we can remain teachable. And uh, likewise, in the spirit of what's mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10, we can pray that the Lord would grant us sound judgment in the matter. Whatever's producing conflict, whatever's producing division, we could ask the Lord to grant us sound judgment in the matter. So again, I'd suggest the first thing we do is pray if we're experiencing conflict, whether it be with people that we have relationships with, whether it be people that we fellowship with in the context of our local church. Uh, We need to pray, and we need to ask the Lord to intervene. Second thing is this, and I think this is very important, and and very biblical. And I think we need to do this. We need to hold our opinions and our convictions up to the light of God's Word. Now, I can bring up any subject in the world right now, and I'm sure that those of us on this call have a variety of of opinions about just about any subject. You know, even if I brought up sports teams, you have your favorite sports teams, and I have my favorite sports teams. And, and so that's an opinion. That's a preference. Uh, I can mention a few things that I think are convictions about, about all sorts of things, about the ways that I think are appropriate for people to dress or the appropriate things that I think are, are or things that I think are appropriate for people to watch on TV or which movies I think are appropriate. And some of those things kind of get into my convictions. So I, they seem deeper than just an opinion to me. And one of the things that I think is important for us to be doing is to hold these opinions and hold these convictions up to the light of God's Word. Meaning, if our beliefs conflict with the clear teaching of the Bible, you know, if I have an opinion and it conflicts with the clear teaching of the Bible, and someone points that out to me, or I come across that as the Holy Spirit points it out to me in my time of reading Scripture— I need to humbly admit that error. You know, if, you, if you're holding up your convictions and your opinions up to the light of Scripture, and you see something that doesn't jive, you see something that doesn't line up, we need to humbly admit our error. 
because it could be that some of the division and conflict that exists is because we've been incorrect all this time and we need to be confronted by the truth. And then following up with that, I think if we're humbly, humbly admitting our error, we need to make corrections. One of the hardest things to do is to admit we're wrong. And if you're wrong, if I'm wrong, and that's produced division and conflict with somebody else, and the Lord takes the time to do the favor for us, to show us that error as we've spent time in his word and as his spirit has spoken to our hearts. If he reveals something to us and, and we can humbly admit that that's an error, we need to follow up by making some corrections because it promotes unity. And uh, it's interesting because I've noticed sometimes among leaders, and I'll, when we get to the discussion portion of our time tonight, maybe someone can comment on this, um, but I have noticed that leaders frequently are fearful of admitting error. And one of the reasons that many leaders are fearful of admitting error is because they think it will diminish their ability to lead. But, and I used to think that too, but an interesting thing occurred. I started admitting openly if I made an error. And I realized that it didn't diminish my ability to lead. It actually enhanced it because people trusted my leadership. They trusted that if I made an error, that I would own it. And, uh, and as a result, it gave me more opportunity to lead. And I think in the context I was already leading in, it enabled me to lead better. And it helped those that I was leading to feel a bit more confident that they could trust me to make better decisions because they noticed that when I was wrong, I would admit I was wrong. And that's not easy for me to do, and I suspect it's probably not easy for you to do. But if the Lord points out an area in our lives where we have been <laughs> making errors, where we've been wrong, and he points that out after we've held our opinions and our convictions up to the light of his word, and we realize that error, we need to make corrections. So that might mean an apology. That might mean making an about face. Uh, whatever it may, may be, we need to make the correction that the Lord inspires us to make after revealing his truth to us. A third thing that I want to point out to us tonight is this. If we're experiencing conflict and, and disagreement and a lack of unity with somebody else, is this. We need to decide to intentionally love our brother or sister in Christ, even if we can't come to an agreement. So there are people that you may attempt reconciliation with, and you may attempt to come to an agreement about an opinion or, or, or a conviction, but you may not be able to, to fully come to an agreement on the topic at hand. And I think that in those moments, we need to decide to intentionally love our brother and sister in Christ anyway. Because think about some of the things that Scripture teaches us about our relationship with one another. Scripture teaches us that we are one body in Christ. And again, when you get into 1 Corinthians 12, Paul emphasizes that uh, in great detail. And he spends a lot of time focusing on that and trying to help the Corinthian church, a church that was known for experiencing a lot of conflict and division. He wanted them to know, listen, you're one body. You're one body in Christ. And that's something that we need to be mindful of as well. Even if we can't come to an agreement with somebody, we still need to accept the fact that we are united as one body in Christ. A second thing that I think is also useful to, to be mindful of if we're... Um, if we can't come to an agreement with somebody, we need to recognize that our disagreements are only for a season. And what I mean by that is this, 
and it's kind of amplified in that third thing that I have on that slide that you can see in front of you, we'll be spending eternity together, so we might as well begin living in unity now. Our disagreements are only for a season. The things that you're wrestling with, the things that I'm wrestling with, there's going to be a time where, you know, Scripture says right now we know things in part, but there'll be a day when we know things fully. So right now, we need to be humble about the fact that we know things in part, but we don't know all details about all things as of yet. And uh, our disagreements are only for a season. It's just for a little while. It, it, it won't last forever. If you're united as one body with your brothers and sisters in Christ, you're going to be spending your eternity together with them. You might as well begin living in unity now. And our unity needs to be based on the foundation of Christ's gospel needs to be based on the foundation of the, of the truth that he has revealed. And again, we'll be spending eternity together, so we might as well begin living in unity now. But we have to decide to intentionally love our brother or sister in Christ, even if we can't come to an agreement. And I have some follow-up questions about this that I'll ask in a moment when we start discussing these things. But there are people in your life and people in my life that I just perceive life differently from them in many respects. Um, you know, I, I have certain personality quirks. You probably have certain personality quirks. And I go about life differently from some people that also love Jesus. I, I love the Lord. I love Christ. Uh, and there are other people in my life that I know they love the Lord too, but they do things differently from me. And sometimes I look at the, the ways that other people do things and I think, why do they do it that way? You know, why does that make sense in their own mind that they would go about this in such a way? And uh, I don't see it quite that way. You know, I don't, see it, I don't see everything quite the same way that they see things. And in those moments of my brothers and sisters in Christ, even if I can't come to an agreement with these things. And again, you know, let me bring us back to, the, to uh, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verse 10. I just want to reread it for us one more time. It, it says to us, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. That's the Lord's desire for us. That's something that the Holy Spirit inspired the Apostle Paul to write down very early in his letter to the Corinthians, in his first letter to them. And this is something that that church was invited to live out, but it's something we're invited to live out as well, and it's not easy to do. Now, in just a moment, we're going to take some time for comments and questions and uh, just to hear some insights from you. I have some starter questions to help us get going here in just a second. I do want to invite you to stop over to desirejesus.com or shipcommunity.com. If you're interested in some follow-up resources related to any of these things, check that out. And if you want copies of these slides... Uh, sometime after we're done here, send me an email, and you can send me an email to john at desirejesus.com. One of the things I've noticed is that after we've been having our weekly coaching calls, some of you have asked for the slides, and I can email these to you right away. So just uh, send me an email to john at desirejesus.com if you'd like a copy of the slides. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump us over to gallery view, so get ready. We're all going to be on screen here together in just a second. All right, let me bring us up here on the gallery. All right, good to see everybody. 
Um, now, I have a starter question for us tonight, and I hope one of you will be brave in answering this question for us here. And, um, and that's this. Uh, how do you think our current circumstances, the current circumstances in our country, current circumstances in the world right now, how do you think our current circumstances make unity difficult to maintain? So who, who's got an answer for that one to get us started here? How do current circumstances make it difficult to maintain unity? Feel free to jump in. I'll start. How's that? All right. We always need that brave person <laughs> to break the ice. So thanks, Dennis. Yeah. So I think at least in our situation, all right, so we have um, – pretty much an elderly congregation. And uh, there are some people that have decided that they want to come back. We started having a church um, about three weeks ago. So would that make it March the 3rd, I guess, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, so we had probably about six or so people, I guess. And then we had 10. And then we were up to around maybe 14 on last Sunday. But, Mm -hmm. you know, I think as we're all aware that there are going to be some people who for whatever reason, may decide that they will not come back to church again, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so I think that uh, there's a vast difference of opinion between what's going on in our country today and why this thing is happening and uh, businesses, uh, good business people losing, well, losing everything, you know, yeah. for the sake of what may not, what may be, True and not so true. I don't know how else to delicately put that. Okay. Yeah. Again, my, my opinion, right? So, uh, so, you know, you have to be able to try to balance that and not, I think you can almost tell when you begin to talk to somebody on the telephone, I try to stay in touch with everybody on a weekly basis. So you, you talk to them on the phone and, and you just, you know, after, you know, the last couple of months, I know where people are at. And so I don't push anything. I just, you know, if you feel comfortable, by all means, common. If not, you need to wait a longer period of time. That's fine as well, you know. Mm-hmm. But just people that you talk to in general that maybe you don't know as well, uh, you have a, I don't know, a 45 second, 60 second conversation. And after that period of time, you can almost tell where they're leaning. If they're leaning in the direction of this is, you know, uh, most of it is, in their opinion, not true and, and made up and hurting a lot of people's lives. And some of them were very dogmatic about the fact that, you know, uh, we need to follow protocol. We need to do this, this, and this, and this until people that are in charge say, okay, now it's safe. Um, right. So that's kind of my two cents worth. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, I'll confess, uh, Dennis, you know, part of my inspiration for picking this topic is because of just how challenging it is right now for, uh, believers to live in unity with our various opinions on, you know, kind of the topic of conversation of the day, right? It's very challenging. You know, we even had a, a ministry yeah, uh, leadership definitely. meeting last night with our, our church leadership. And, uh, it, you know, the meeting wasn't contentious by any means. It was, you know, a very edifying meeting. But it was also interesting to me, uh, just, you know, the various opinions that were represented there. There were, you know, I think about 10 or 11 of us in that, that uh, online meeting, and we all had different shades of opinions. And, and our opinions could very quickly transform into convictions. And then before you know it, we're, uh, 
castigating one another if we're not careful. And then you look back at a portion of scripture like this and it challenges us. Listen, maintain unity, you know, uh, be of one mind, be of, yeah. of, of the same judgment. So yeah, I agree with you. Awesome. Thanks. One Dan. of the other things just real, real quickly. The other thing that I found too, I guess, is that it's not so much even the elderly people by that. I mean, I mean, 65, I'm, I'm right there, you know, so 65 and above, but still it's almost like those that are in uh, a younger age bracket. You know, we have kids that are stair-stepped from 25 to 45, you know, right. as far as ages are concerned. And I found that sometimes our youngest daughter um, is more concerned about it than someone who's 85 years old. Yeah. At <laughs> which know, seems surprising. Just, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It seems it's surprising to me, you know, because I don't know if we, naturally we've come up in a different age and a different, you know, culture and society and, uh, you know, having gone through the sixties and seventies and all that kind of good stuff. Um, <laughs> you know, it's just a different mindset. It really is. And it's almost like they're more cautious than what I am. It's like, Hey, I'm out there every day. I'm going to work. I'm doing this, doing that. I don't even think about it for the most part, you know, mm -hmm. and they're just kind of like, Oh my goodness, we got to be so careful not to, <laughs> not to breathe almost, you know? Mm. So again, it's, it's kind of strange how that, that whole thing is playing itself out at this point. Yeah. Yeah. It, and it, 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 uh, you know, I mean, for our purposes of discussion tonight, it's not just in the culture, it's in the church, you know, I mean, it, we as believers in the church, like we really wrestle with this and I think we all mean well, you know, everybody means well, it's, it's not like we, uh, are wishing ill on anybody, you know, it's, we're just approaching this subject from our own experience and perspective and yeah. Right. Awesome. Um, any other thoughts on that particular thing? You know, how I do you think it's somewhat just the overload of information that we have to deal with as individuals. For sure. <laughs> and uh, you know, like your, your point in praying, you know, to use sound judgment, and in this Corinthian scripture, you know, speaks of using sound judgment. And uh, mm -hmm. it's hard as leaders, we have to, we have to sort through a lot of stuff, you know, because we, we can't just uh, sometimes just go with our opinion, you know, because mm -hmm. that, that, that influences other people, especially in leadership positions. So oh, yeah. I, I think just that process of being diligent it, to use discernment and to properly sift through um, what's there, you know, and, uh, that's a hard task, but that's something we have to do in this environment because the information overload is just tremendous. Right. You know, and I'm not a, I'm not an information junkie, but you know, I'm swamped in it if I'm not careful, if I don't just yeah. unplug. So. Yeah, definitely. I know someone uh, just yesterday told me, said, yeah, I'm deleting my social media accounts. I need a brain break. <laughs> and I, I didn't, I couldn't blame them. You know, I, I thought, I thought, yeah, I could see maybe why he did that. Um, so here, here's a follow-up question I have for you. And it's, you know, I don't know if anyone will, will take a bite at this one, but I just thought I'd throw it out there and just see, uh, what's the longest that you've ever been estranged from another believer? So I, you know, I've had, uh, some seasons in my life where there are some people that, um, you know, the conflict or like the lack of unity felt so pronounced that I eventually got to a point where I, you know, I almost just felt like I, I don't know that I even want to be in the same place as that person. And, um, you know, there are people in my life that, you know, as I think back on it, 
I remember one person that I had a really good friendship with at one point that I then went like years without ever talking to him because of, uh, you know, like pretty deep conviction, difference of opinion, different perspective type of thing. And uh, it was very challenging and, you know, in many respects can be very sad. Uh, so I'm just curious if anyone has an answer to that one. You know, what's the longest you've ever been estranged from another believer? You have an experience with something like that? Yeah, I do, John. It's going on eight years. Eight years. Yeah. We were uh, best of friends. Saw something similar happen to uh, another group and couldn't believe it could ever happen to us, but hmm. it did. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's hard, isn't it? Like, it, it, it weighs on you, you know, because you remember the good times and you remember – what it was like. And then that, whatever it is that, 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 um, that caused that division or that lack of unity or, you know, I mean, sometimes it could just be outright sin too, right? I mean, it's not always just a a difference of opinion. Sometimes it could be an issue that's truly, you know, a right or wrong thing. You know, I'm, you know, it's not always, uh, you know, sometimes it could be very black and white. Right. And, um, but yeah, I mean, if there's not repentance and reconciliation, you know, estrangement can last a long time. I mean, just by show of hands here, you don't even have to open your mic. Uh, anyone have a, a similar time frame of estrangement from anyone? You know, I mean, I can raise my hand for that one. Um, you know, eight years. Anyone have uh, something longer than eight that's, you know, lingered on for a long time? Yeah. I mean, isn't it amazing how time like just keeps going and going and going? And it's like, it's like, wow. All right. Here's a question. I, I hope someone will, will answer this one. Um, is unity the same as live and let live, or is it different? So do you, does anyone here use that phrase, live and let live? <laughs> live and let live. I think I say that sometimes. Live and let live, you know? And uh, it, so is unity, like when you're thinking about this between believers, is unity the same as live and let live, or is unity different than live and let live? Anyone want to take a bite at that one? Well, I almost see it as either forgiveness or unforgiveness. How so? So we're either, you know, I'm, I'm either, I'm either going to walk in forgiveness and I, and I guess, so even if I never get back to the place of being, um, you know, in unity or, or, you know, the same, heart or mind or whatever it might be. Yeah, I think the most important thing is, is that, that I do forgive that person because I believe that the longer, we all know this, the longer that we hold on to it, the worse that uh, our lives become. And in many ca- cases, instances, that other person doesn't even know, may not know that there's something that, you know, that has come between us. They may just be going on with life as normal. Yeah. And I'm sitting here holding on to all this stuff. And I'm thinking, you know, uh, I really don't have the problem, but I do because I'm, I'm angry about it. I'm upset. I keep thinking about it. I talk about the subject all the time. And this other person is just walking around just free as a bird, you know, doesn't even know there's a problem. And I'm just all, you know, inside just, man, it's just churning inside me. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think live and let live is unity at all. 
All right, let's at, hear it. At all. Um, I think it's, I don't think existing in the same space is the same thing as unity. And, and I think that live and let live means that we fundamentally disagree and we're just not going to talk about it. Mm -hmm. So you would see, you would see the whole like live and let live. So live and let live is kind of like a, another way of saying like, keep the peace. Right. So you would say maybe that would be like an avoidance. Yes. Because like, I feel like in the live and let live contexts, it means that I'm just being quiet about what I disagree about. Yeah. Yep. Uh, also, like I would think uh, unity should have love binding. Uh, mm -hmm. Like uh, Jesus said, uh, he and his father is one. Like they mm -hmm. are one, we should be one. Yep. Uh, so uh, looking for love as uh, the binding thing in unity is what makes uh, cr uh, Christians or the body of Christ, I would believe. That's what we all thirst for, like yes. such a relationship. And, 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 and uh, right in line with that, Mary, um, you know, this idea of love covering over a multitude of sins, right? So if, yes. we're, if we're expressing love to one another, you know, we're, we're in a spot where uh, it's, it's, I think it's easier for us to practice forgiveness if we're bound to one another in Christian love. Yes. Wonderful. Mary, where are you from? Uh, I live now in Canada. Okay. Barry, Canada. So, yeah, but I'm originally Lebanese. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Thanks for joining the call tonight. I'm always interested where, uh, where we're all from. So we're spread out from all over the place. So welcome from Canada. I'm glad that you're able to join us. Uh, thank you for having me. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. All right. Um, he, here's, oh, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, who am I missing? Someone had a comment. Was that Paul? And then, I, Paul, you may have frozen up. Yeah, I, no, I didn't, that is so much a comment. I just want to apologize because there. this is, Oh, we There's can't. a lot of usage going. Oh, you know what? You're cutting in and out, Paul, and I want to hear what you're saying. Is Paul cutting out for others too I or apologize. just me? Okay. Yes. Try again, Paul. I'm apologizing. So, so, Paul, I don't know if you can hear me, but on your end – on your end, it's freezing up, so... Um, We're being late. Oh, okay. Today, and I was last... Nope, oh, I guess we lost you there, Paul. I, so, Paul, if you, if you get into a spot with a stronger signal, I'd, I'd love to hear the rest of, of um, what, you, what you had to share there. Um, I'm right next to my uh, modem. Okay. All right. Try one more time so we can hear it. Let, let's hear what you said. It, it cut in and out, so we didn't really make it out. All right. It, it, looks, like, it looks like it has you all frozen up, Paul. I'm very sorry. Um, 
All right. Let, let me, uh, let me, we'll come back to Paul if he's able to, to unfreeze. Um, I, it seems like he's having some tech issues there, but uh, a follow-up question I want to uh, throw out there for the group that I think is challenging at times. Um, but how do you maintain biblical unity at home? How do you maintain biblical unity at home? You know, a lot of our answers so far, I think, have uh, involved responding to, you know, just, uh, you know, our day-to-day uh, experiences through the local church and, and as believers with one another. Uh, but how do, we, how do we maintain biblical unity at home? Anyone have any good counsel or good advice from life experience? What's worked for you? Family devotional time. All right. So Don says family devotional time. So spending time in the scriptures together, family devotional time. All right. What else has helped promote unity within your, the context of your home? I think taking time to understand how each person understands and receives love. You know, there's that, the classic five love languages book, but I really think that makes a huge difference and helping make sure that people um, are feeling the love that is being intended because when we don't feel that, we tend to shut off other conversations or, or investments. And so I think taking time to know that about the other people and then invest in the correct ways. Right. Okay, good. Any other good counsel for maintaining unity at home? And I think even to follow up on, on Andrea's statement is, uh, like, I've, I've been married for 38 years, and, you know, me and my wife, Barbara, we, we knew we were high school sweethearts. And obviously, we're in our mid to late 50s, and we're not the same. That you know, So it's a constant, I call it learning how to dance on the, the head of a needle. <laughs> you know, because we change. You know, we change. Yeah. And, and 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 like with what Andrea said, you know, I, I need the way that I have to love Barb now is not the same when we were 35. Or there's a different, you know, we change. And, and if we if we don't if we don't realize that, it's even like trying to love your children, which you, you guys have uh, what five kids. If you tried to love Daniel, as we have four, now, unless like you uh, just like, gave us an extra somewhere. Okay. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, you've got to love your kids. You can't love a 15-year-old like you did when he was four. Yeah. You know, Very I mean, we, we have to change. So, yeah, I, I think just realizing that change and, and adjusting to it is important. Yeah. Um, I, I have another uh, question here that I'd be curious to hear some thoughts on this. Um, how would you counsel divided believers? So, you know, when, when you look at, at uh, some of the examples that were given in the New Testament, you know, we're, we're, we're shown like people, uh, I'm thinking of uh, people like Yodia and Syntyche, you know, they, they have a reputation for being, you know, true believers who had been very helpful in the work of the gospel, but they couldn't get along. And then you have, um, someone even commented on this here earlier, um, uh, Paul and Barnabas, you know, they'd work together and then, uh, then all of a sudden they had conflict and, and then you even have Paul having conflict with Mark 
And, you know, separately, I mean, the issue that Paul and Barnabas had was over Mark. But then when you look at the last thing that Paul wrote in Second Timothy, um, he mentions how Mark has been so wonderful. So you see some reconciliation that had obviously taken place between the two guys. But how, how do you counsel divided believers? Do you have, you know, do you have uh, advice that you give, encouragement that you give? Um, you know, like how, how do you try and promote unity when you notice two believers that you care about are divided? Well, that's a great question, John. <laughs> you can see that we're all chiming in there with an answer, right? Yeah, apparently. Yeah, and I even see James has his cat there. You know, the cat the, the cat has a, an opinion for later maybe. but <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes I think that it's not – I guess I, I think about age for whatever reason. I, I'm just thinking about age and how sometimes, you know, we um, – because of age differences, we can see things in a different light naturally. And even though we might come up, it might be kids in the same family like our kids. You know, we're separated uh, as far as age from the youngest to the oldest being 20 years, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there's a difference there as far as the mindset, what goes on, the culture, the society uh, that they came up with. Even though they came, you know, all from the same family, from the same womb, uh, it's just a, a difference there. So I think it's like your wife was saying, there's got to be a time where, you know, it's that love language and it's learning uh, who they are and, and the fact that they are individuals. And, uh, you know, I mean, they can come up, be raised in a Christian home like they were in our house, but they also have friends that influence them. And so, you know, sometimes the friends can have even a little bit more influence, a stronger influence than what the parents do. And even though they're living here with us, they know the values uh, you know, in church, hearing the message from, you know, their dad, the pastor, that kind of thing. <laughs> Still, it's just, you know, uh, other people can have a greater influence. And I, you know, sometimes I say, well, that's, that's a shame that it has to be that way. But yet, hmm. I believe also it begins the thinking process and, and they start to think for themselves. I don't want it to be robotic where, you know, they're just regurgitating what I've said. I want them to know the truth of God's word. And so you got to get in and dig for yourself as to what that is, right? You, you just can't hear it from me and say, well, because he says that I believe it. I want them to believe it because this is what the word of God is saying. And, and this is how, you know, you're interpreting it and, and how you're growing, uh, you know, in that word. So, uh, I, I, you know, so it's, so it's, a, I guess something that's kind of all over the board in some respects, at least, as I'm looking at it in terms of where they are and, and, and how they have, have come up, even though, as I said, it might be in the same family, um, you know, it's still a matter of the influences that have been out there that, that they have, you know, allowed to come into their, their life, you know? So, uh, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, those, all, all those influences definitely factor in and can, promote unity or promote division one way or another. Any other thoughts uh, on, um, you know, like how, how do you try and help? How do you counsel divided believers? How do you help facilitate um, reconciliation? I'm thinking about uh, what Jesus advised when he said, talk to your brother in private. Mm -hmm. uh, Matthew 18. 
yeah, yeah. Uh, discuss the problem and then uh, it's a starting point mm -hmm. uh, in the family it can be applied as well talking to the person and uh, if uh, they listen they listen if they don't uh, we go on our knees and we pray uh, hoping for miracles and for the holy spirit uh, help and intervention <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> i think some of our best prayers are uh desperate prayers as we ask the lord for his intervention right yes, yeah. that's i agree with you mary and uh and paul i see your your comment there in the chat uh yeah we enjoy having you on here glad you're able to be to be part of it here i know you got a lot of responsibilities so jumping on all these calls that's got to be challenging for you um, but thank you for joining us and for being with us. Um, I just saw your the chat, your connections been spotty for you. Uh, one phone for us tonight and, um, and I'll, uh, I'll, I'll say this one answer. I'm, I'm going to assume that you would say for this is Jesus. So I'm going to assume that, that we would all say Jesus for this question. So it's almost like your second your your second choice when I ask the question, all right? So my question is, who is your favorite peacemaker? Who's your favorite peacemaker? So obviously we could we could say Christ, and I, I'm certain we, you know, we'd be right. <laughs> you know, he's, he's certainly my favorite peacemaker. Uh, I'm sure he's your favorite peacemaker. But in addition to Christ, who would you say is somebody that's really sh looks like, you know, maybe uh, someone from your life, someone from growing up, someone, a biblical example, someone that's given you a good visual example of what it looks like to be a peacemaker, someone who promotes unity among, among people, among believers. Anyone got a favorite that they could throw out there? My wife. Your wife. Well, that's, that's, <laughs> yeah. That's a great quality yep. in a wife. <laughs> yes. Peacemaker. Yes, That's wonderful. She is, she, she is a peacemaker. And there's no question about that. Yeah. She has a way of, I think, looking into the situation and, um, you know, really bringing, bringing out the various points that are going to um, bring a resolution about. And uh, mm -hmm. so, yeah, I would have to say she is it. Outside of, outside of the Lord, she yeah. is number two. Awesome. Any other favorite peacemakers? Or people that have really shown you how it's done? So he's in the other room so he can hear me. <laughs> I'm going to say our son Daniel, and that's because I noticed even when the kids were little that any combination of kids that had Daniel in it got along. And, and as he, as they've gotten older, what I have, it, it, you know, like the, the nuance to that is that he pays attention to what people care about mm -hmm. and he honors that. He doesn't make people feel dumb about what they like or, you know, like he, you know, he'll joke about stuff like that, but he doesn't genuinely make people feel dumb about things that they care about, things that they like. 
and it brings peace. So he definitely heard me because he's sitting in the other room. (laughs) I doubt that he minded that. (laughs) You were, you were very sheepish as you started to say that, but no, I'd agree. He, he's a peacemaker. Absolutely. Any other examples you want to throw out there? Someone in your life, someone that you've, that you're familiar with through scripture or anyone else that you'd say, you know, that person's a great example of being a peacemaker. I should have asked you who, who in your life uh, disturbs your peace. <laughs> I could have gotten some answers. I wouldn't have been able to use it for the recording though. <laughs> so, all right. Well, Thank you guys for being part of tonight's call here. And uh, I enjoy doing this on Thursday night. So our intention, you know, we'll be here together again uh, next Thursday night, 8 o'clock Eastern, if you're able to join us. Uh, I will post on Facebook. I'll also uh, send out message via the email list uh, with the link to sign up. We've been using this same link and the same password each week. So hopefully that makes it easier. So as long as you have one of those emails, you should have the signups. And as long as this keeps working, I can, I can leave that, um, that login information the same. And, uh, but we're grateful to have you on here and grateful that you carve out time. And I hope you guys are all doing well. And uh, even before you go, let's see, James, I saw a message here. You said, uh, uh, Miter Spike, Mr. Spike is, uh, is the cat's name. <laughs> is, that, is that what that's supposed to say there? <laughs> You're muted, so I don't know what you're saying, but <laughs> there we go. Shy, he's running away. <laughs> oh, okay. So he heard his, he heard his name? <laughs> yeah. Nice. All right. Well, on that note, we'll end tonight. Have a wonderful evening, everybody. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you next week. Thank good you. night, everybody. Yep. Good Thanks, night. John. Have a good evening. Good night. Feeling stressed? Let's take better care of you. I'm Bonnie Gray, the host of Breathe, the Stress Less Podcast. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com.